you're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. Before I, I get into all the latest on the wokeness mafia and their, their latest victims, uh, you've got to operate within the market with uh, and within the economy as it stands right now. And I know it feels choppy and uncertain and we're worried about inflation, but we still could be in the midst of something called a melt up where there's just so much money sloshing around and so much going on that the stock market could actually really hit even more historic gains. His, uh, and this is why I need you to check out carnivore trading. Carnivore trading has spotted several key indicators, but they believe that the biggest profits are going to come to sectors that a lot of Wall Street experts are going to miss. So here's what carnivore trading is. They're an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors. And when you subscribe to carnivore, you'll receive real time text alerts of explosive trades they're making for their elite clients. You can mirror their trades with your discount broker or pass. They guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. That's five X your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. The market looks to be on the verge of a massive upswing. Get off the sidelines and mirror carnivores trades. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. Visit getourtrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. It's a problem that we have to deal with. I know there are a lot of people who would like to think that this will just go away, that if we just ignore it, we won't have to worry about it. But that's no longer a possibility. Your children and future generations, even if you don't have kids, this really matters because your children are being brainwashed into a cult of critical race theory or CRT. They are being taught to despise their country, to be embarrassed by its history, and yes, even to be ashamed of whiteness if they are white. This on Fox News right now, a New York City father went viral after pulling his daughter out of the out of the Brearley School after seven years, shared new details about the elite school's left wing culture in a new interview. We already do a horrific job in this country, Andrew Gutman said, teaching history, and now we're going to make that 10 times worse. We're going to eradicate that. Uh, our country doesn't survive not teaching history and civics, and it sure as hell doesn't survive teaching our children to hate their country and their history. Left-wing activism was the norm at the school, according to Gutman, who said family were pressured to advocate for Black Lives Matter. Friends, these individuals who are pushing all this stuff, it's important for you to recognize they share the ethos of communists. Now, I understand that the rejection of this, the, the guffaws from the Democrat left, be, oh, yeah, sure, we're just like, we're just like Stalin or Mao. We, we are going to take all property and hold it in common. No, they're not able to do that yet. But their approach to intellectual pursuit, the way that they deal with argument and dissent, is very much the same the way that they shut down ideas, their notion that if you disagree with them, that is in and of itself proof of your deficiency. That all comes out of the Marxist playbook. Gutman, this father here, goes on. He says, uh, the pressure to conform is so intense that if you stay silent, you're racist. 
You have to be an activist. If you're not an activist for anti-racism, for Black Lives Matter, you are racist. You are a bad person. You are an oppressor. You're not doing the right thing. This is what's going on all across the country. The Brearley School, I know, I'll tell you this, my high school sweetheart was a student at Brearley, so I know Brearley very well. My prom date, not junior prom, that was Ivanka. Yes, I know, some of you are laughing, but it's actually true. Senior prom, uh, my date was a Brearley student. She was my girlfriend, my first real high school uh, girlfriend. And I know that institution, and it has always been left wing, but very elite at the same time. It is funny, isn't it, to see these schools that are putting out statements that sound like they were written by, you know, Ibram X. Kendi or whatever the guy's name is, when they're really being written by Thurston Howell III. Are these they don't call them headmasters anymore. They call them head of school the same way that you can't have a master bedroom anymore. Now it's a primary bedroom. I wonder if they're going to have to change the Russell Crowe movie from master and commander to primary and commander. I mean, when does the madness stop? The other side cares more. The other side pushes harder and they're relentless. That's why they keep winning. I understand that we have this limited government tricorn hat. Oh, leave me alone. I don't want to engage. I just want to be off the grid and, you know, have my food stored up in preparation. By the way, nothing wrong with that. But you do have to deal with the society around you if you're in America. There is no private island you can go to somewhere where the left wing Marxist maniacs do not influence your life and are going to do it more and more unless you actually fight back against it. We have to engage here. We have to take action in response to what is just clear ideological brainwashing. This is what they're doing. They're doing it to your kids because that's when people are least able to push back on authority. And that's also when the the synapses in your brain, that's also when when the functioning of your cognition are most easy are most easily molded. So this is all on purpose. I mean, if you thought it was bad, it used to be, you know, when I was in, in grammar school, yeah, we sang the Pledge of Allegiance. I went to a Catholic school, but we sang the Pledge of Allegiance and we we were patriotic and we, we loved America and we learned that, you know, we're the good guys in a lot of different wars and a lot of different big moments in history. And then you got to college and all of a sudden you had all these commies running around that were idolizing Karl Marx and were talking about radicalism and revolutions in American society and how it's all about uh, ending the patriarchy and dealing with uh, with, you know, white culture and white supremacy and all this stuff. And we thought that maybe people could get through that without being affected by it, without believing this nonsense, like it would be a passing phase the same way that people think it's normal to drink five or six days a week in college, have beer with almost every meal and not understand that that's actually an alcohol abuse issue and it's not fun or cute or good and something that I wish I had known when I went to school and that I wish I could tell everybody else going off to school. You know, it, it is possible to drink too much, even in your 20s. So I, I look at all this and I realize that people assume that college kids would grow out of it. But no, now you have P 
people running these companies. Now you have people who are making determinations at the highest level of the United States government and of our culture who are openly radical, openly Marxist and want to teach your children that they live in a world of racial hierarchy. But in this hierarchy, whiteness is something for which people should be sorry and ashamed. You see, the, the, the racial framework that I and conservatives want us to live in is one in which race is as important in our characterizations of, of one's you know, more morality, decency, worth as a person. Race is, is like, you know, hair length or hair color or something, something that no one cares about, doesn't matter, has no meaning. We're all human beings. We're all equal. That's the society we want to live in. That is the, the opposite of what is being taught to children in school now. Children who are too young or in their formative years, not able to push back on authority figures and suffer the consequences if they do. This is happening because of a number of factors that have come together. This is why it, it is worse now. This isn't just, oh, conservatives, oh, the war on Christmas, and now it's the war on wokeness. No, this is a problem now because the left has the full-scale support, top to bottom, not only of the traditional corporate news media but and of academia, but now also of social media, which is a much more powerful tool for influencing opinions and minds than anything they've ever had before. They are programming us like gerbils all across the country. All right. Like we just want to hit the pedal and get a few sips of water. if We do the right thing. That's what social media is doing. These are addiction machines that are rewiring our brains to think a certain way. And very few people really have the ability to resist that quick serotonin hit from posting Black Lives Matter on their Facebook or their Instagram or whatever. It's such an easy way. We call it virtue signaling, but it's even more than that. It gives people a little a little jolt of of easy, unearned joy, right? It's self-congratulation. It's, ooh, look at me. Yeah, everyone's going to think I'm great. And what do we have in response? Well, Milton Friedman and, and Friedrich Hayek and, and, you know, limited government and Look, those are brilliant men, and I've read their most important works, and I celebrate them, but it's not going to win this fight we're in right now. You know, we, we need a moment here of clarity where we understand that if we don't start to actually organize ourselves, if we do not mimic the tactics of the left, we will lose. This will be a very different country. Now, when I say the tactics, I mean taking control of institutions, using the legal system on offense. We have to go on offense against the other side wherever we can. Now, that can be trying to establish a neutral space for ideas, but it also can be one that is explicitly conservative, patriotic, celebrates America, celebrates the American founding. And we need that in corporations, in schools, because... Trying to preserve this uh, this idea of the non-political space in America, we lost that battle. It's gone. 
There are no non-political spaces. Now it's all just a question of a vacuum. We've been trying to preserve a vacuum. No politics allowed here. Let's all just enjoy the big game. Let's all just be able to talk about the weather or sports teams or how all politicians are crooks. And whether you're a CEO or a street sweeper, you know, you had some common ground. You were Americans. The left is destroying that. They, they have a hierarchy that they're putting in place. And they don't want anything to be non-political, so we can either start to meet them on that battlefield or you're just going to see more and more of the purge. That's really what this is. People are being purged from public life, from institutions, from positions of power. And they're not going to tire of this on the other side. They're not going to stop. Do you want them to teach your 10-year-olds if assuming your children are white or whatever, teach your 10 year olds in general uh, that whiteness is something to be ashamed of or that white supremacy has infiltrated all of America. Do you want them teaching your children if your children are black or Hispanic that about whiteness and about their white peers? No. This is insidious. This is damaging to the fabric of our society. The left has gone mad. Trump broke them you have to remember that and we are dealing now with people who are unhinged they're unhinged by trump by their adherence to fauciism and by being drunk with the power of institutions all across america now that bend to their will right away consequences of slavery from its inception centuries ago to its modern day implications for black americans we've seen a growing movement to reframe how american history is taught in public schools well, some parents who are opposed to critical race theory as new curriculum aren't too pleased. Just because I do not want critical race theory taught to my children in school does not mean that I'm a racist, damn it. <laughs> it's a, actually, it does. It's just another example of Republicans turning kids into a wedge issue, just like their politically motivated attacks on transgender youth who just want to play sports. Uh, did you hear the the snide laughter of televised moron Joy Reid, woman who claimed publicly that she had an FBI investigation going on? This was this was her official word when it was found that she was making fun of gay people. But a few years back on her personal blog, she was writing and, and making fun of mocking gay people. And then she claimed that there was an FBI investigation to look into the hacking of her blog. So somebody hacked into her semi-literate blog from over 10 years ago to change a few words to make it seem like she was a homophobe. That was, in fact, what this MSNBC primetime television host wanted America to believe. So she's a liar and not smart. And you heard her here say, if you don't want your children being taught critical race theory, you are a racist. She laughs about it. Right. Yeah, that's that's the attitude. She also laughs at this woman who's clearly very upset about it, a parent who's upset about it. Uh, critical race theory is intellectually laughable. It's flimsy. It's garbage. It doesn't stand up to any actual scrutiny. What does it mean? Where what are the outer limits why would we set up society? Why would we have this as our framework for understanding relations between people? What does critical race theory really teach us about how we can interact with each other better? 
Oh, by making special allowances for people of certain skin colors at the expense of others because of historical wrongs. You know, I think the Jews, for example, might have a whole lot to say about historical wrongs done to them. Do they get affirmative action? What about Armenians? We just had the United States government say that Turkey committed a genocide against them. Do Armenians get special privileges? I just want to know, why do Latinos under critical race theory get special privileges? There was no legalized regime of race discrimination and or slavery against them. So what exactly is that all about? No answers to any of this. No answers to any of this other than The Marxist left uses racial minorities and the history of mistreatment, the real history of mistreatment of racial minorities in this country as a means of forcing their political opponents to bend the knee and do what they say. Or else they'll slander you or else they'll do exactly what Joy Reid did here. Yeah, that's right. If you don't want critical race theory taught, if you ever read, I've I've read, you go back, read Delgado, read some of the early Uh, scholars behind critical race theory, and they will tell you straight up that this comes from uh, radical feminism, that that it's built upon a foundation of radical feminism, a horrifically destructive and and bad uh, just framework for women to approach their lives. Radical feminism is misery. It is. Look at all the radical feminists. They're all miserable. They're all vicious, miserable, sad people. Because it sets up a society where men are some kind of enemy and they're, they are man-haters and it's absurd. The whole thing is ba- based upon resentment and based upon undermining some of the most beautiful things about human beings and human nature. That's what radical feminism does. You look at some of the other scholars, so-called scholars, you know, Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault and these other. Yeah, that's right. A bunch of bombastic French scum. They they are the intellectual uh, foundation of the critical race theory movement. By the way, Joy Reid couldn't tell you. She couldn't tell you a thing about any of them. Doesn't know. Maybe she could read what's said in the prompter about some of the intellectual forefathers, if you will, of this movement. Uh, one of them recently, I believe it was uh, I, I believe it was Foucault was uh, allegedly having uh, sex with very underage. This this was published recently. Uh, very underaged children in during visits to North Africa. So a pedophile is the allegation. But uh, these are French French philosophers whose contributions are things like there is no truth. There is no such thing as what is true. Yeah, it was it was Foucault who who was accused of being a straight up. I mean, a, a pedophile. Nine and ten year olds. But one of the great intellectual heroes of the left. I wonder why people don't really talk more about that. And who was uh, their intellectual hero? A German philosopher named Heidegger. What, what do you want to know about Heidegger? Oh, I don't know. Maybe that he was the mem- a member of the Nazi party, a card-carrying member of the Nazi party for more than a decade. But the left loves him. They don't really talk about that very much, do they? This is a rotten, godless, divisive, destructive movement. That is what critical race theory is. It is Marxism, which is just the elimination of human bonds and decency and its replacement with resentment for the purpose of achieving power. Centered around race instead of class. So, yeah, parents don't want their kids learning that crap. I am a carnivore. 
You know this. I love meat. It's my favorite thing to cook by far. I'll make some veggies too just to seem healthy, but I'm all in on my proteins, and I know what the good stuff is. So that's why I go first and foremost every time into my freezer to get Moink. That's right. Meats from Moink are the best. I'm talking about grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, all sent directly to your door. This is the best stuff you're going to get every, anywhere. I've used this for roast chickens, for chicken breasts. My bacon now comes from Moink. I have all my different meats, fillets, ribeyes. Moink is the best quality. It's delicious. And it's so convenient. They just send it to you. You put it in your freezer. And then whenever you need it, you have grass-fed, delicious beef, pork, you name it. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com buck. And listeners to this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Just go to this website now. Get your first Moink box. Get it delivered. You will love this. It's such good stuff. I'm eating it all the time. M-O-I-N-K box. Moinkbox.com slash buck. That's M-O-I-N-K. Moinkbox.com slash buck. This is a question of fairness. That's why I oppose biological boys who are trans competing in girls sports in school. It just isn't fair. And we have to protect girls sports in our but, school. But, but if- Caitlin Jenner running for governor of Florida. I'm sorry, California. I'm so I'm so fixated on all of Ron DeSantis's victory laps that I, I got Florida on the mind running for governor of California and has the celebrity, has the kind of profile where you got to take it, you got to take it seriously. And Caitlyn Jenner, uh, formerly known as, as Chris Jenner, was a uh, tremendous athlete, as you know, and has an opinion here that I think, I think is, is important for people to hear for the following reason. If the left can get you can force you through emotional blackmail and manipulation and all these different tactics. If they can force you, uh, for, formerly Bruce Jenner, pardon me, I think I said Chris Jenner, that would be the, that would, that was the wife. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce Jenner, thank you. Um, if the left can uh, get you to agree to things that are obviously false if they can get you to say things that you know to be untrue, it breaks down your own sense of truth and your own sense of, of self. Uh, it degrades your ability to discern fact from fiction, right? To get you, this, this is why uh, you have in true brainwashing and indoctrination programs and, and communist states, there will be things like the endless repetition of falsehoods. Because the endless repetitions of falsehoods, even if you at first recognize them as being wrong, you know, you, you intellectually understand that over time, it starts, you start to question that. And the fact that you're saying it, the fact that you're affirming that which is untrue means that you are at some level complicit in the lie. Why do you think the left is so fixated on pronouns? Why do you think the left is so fixated on aspects of the transgender issue that are, are, are anybody with common sense would say 
have just gone completely overboard and, and, are, and are absurd. Sports is one of them. I remember doing this show almost a decade ago, and I would say, look, at some point, people are going to have to realize that if you have somebody who's a biological male in, say, MMA, that person is going to annihilate all of the women in that sport, and it won't even be close. And that's because of the biological realities of a male, you know, uh, biochemistry versus female biochemistry. And sure enough, there I believe Fallon Fox, there is a formerly male MMA fighter who's now fight has fought as a female. And it's been I mean, it's dangerous. You can kill somebody because male bone density, musculature, testosterone levels, everything is different. OK, it's just the truth. And yet we have to pretend like we don't know this. And the left becomes shrill and angry when they're confronted with this. I mean, I've said this before, a a middle range high school male athlete would be a dominant. And I'm talking about just run of the mill, a dominant athlete on the female side in college in a sport where they had a basic level of proficiency just based on size, uh, strength and speed. It's just the way it is. We, we all know this, but we're supposed to forget it. And you'd say, why? Why is it so important? How many transgender athletes are there really who want to compete and caitlin jenner is transgender again formerly known as bruce not chris uh caitlin jenner is transgender and so weighing in on this holding this opinion carries a little bit more weight gets a little bit more attention because basically even caitlin jenner is like yeah look i'm i i am a female now according to caitlin jenner but i still understand that you can't have men competing in women's sports. They, they play this game on the left, too, of when we engage on the issue, they, they either say, why, you know, why is this so important to you? Right? This is gaslighting, of course, because, well, why is it so important to them? They say you're a bigot. They won't actually engage in the substance. Or they pretend to be even dumber than they are. I don't believe that, you know, a biological male has an advantage over females. You know, what about, you know, Ronda Rousey could kick your butt. It's like, okay, we're going to find one woman who's like the best in the world at MMA and then compare it to, you know, an out of shape couch potato guy and say, well, she could beat him. That's not what we're talking about, though. That, that, that has no meaning in the discussion, but this is what they do. They either pretend it doesn't matter to them. They pretend that they uh, that you're a bigot for opposing it. That's their favorite, of course. Or they say that they can't even understand the most basic and obvious things. You see this with critical race theory in schools. There'll, there'll be a lot of pushback on this that that involves. Well, what do you mean? Oh, we're not doing that much. Oh, this is just a part of the curriculum. Oh, this isn't really. Oh, no. They just want you to look away. Oh, it's not really. It's exaggerated. This is just a Fox News phenomenon. This is just right wing media making a big deal out of nothing. They keep doing this to us. Gaslighting is one of the favorite tactics of the left. They make something a mission. They make something a crusade or dare I say a jihad. And then the moment that we say, hold on a second, what are you doing? They go, oh, no, we're not doing, you know, there's nothing going on here. It's just a little thing. Why are you exaggerating it? You must be bigoted. What? That's the way this goes. You see it happening time and again. 
Um, the left can't even really define what a woman is anymore, which should tell you a lot about their respect for science. They also babble on incoherently about why a fetus is not actually a baby and a separate human life, because the more we've learned in the last 20, really last 50, but certainly the last 20 years about a baby in the womb, it's a baby. And you know, viability has been getting earlier and earlier for a baby to survive outside the womb, as we know. But they reject science when it interferes with their power. But I, I bring up the transgender issue because I can understand for a lot of you in parts of the country where you don't have this left wing transgender movement. And if you don't engage with much of the left wing media, you feel like, well, how big of an issue is this there? there this hasn't happened in my kid's school. Or this hasn't happened in my kid's university yet. The point here is the mass psychological conditioning of society to agree to things that the left wants them to that are obviously false. A man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. And there is no medical way to change that reality. If they can get you to negate that, if they can get you to reject it, what else? What other obvious truths can they distort have you complicit in distorting and that's the whole game given what research shows about uh, transmission outside about the low risk of serious illness in children are these cdc guidelines excessive you know, I wouldn't call them excessive, uh, Savannah, but I, they certainly are conservative. <laughs> and, and I think what you're going to start to see is really in real time continually reevaluating that for its practicality. Because you're right. People look at that and they say, well, is that being a little bit too far right now? Yeah, because aren't we supposed to be? We're, I mean, we've been told people have been preaching for a year. Follow the science. The science doesn't right. suggest those CDC guidelines are too sensible for little kids outside in 90 degree heat running around with masks. <laughs> yes, yeah, so honey, you've asked me that question a couple of times before. <laughs> I'm asking for two kids named Vale and Charlie, age six and four. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, you're right. The CDC makes decisions based on science. They will continually reevaluate that. You're right. It looks a bit strict, a bit stringent. But that's the reason why they keep looking at that and trying to, you know, reevaluate on literally in real time whether or not that's the practical way to go. Let's get into the fundamental fallacy here first before I start tearing apart just the sub mediocrity lab coat tyrant Dr. Fauci. OK, before I start having some fun with that, let's get into the fundamental fallacy. That the CDC makes decisions based upon the science. Well, what's happened here is, is an intentional conflation in the mind of the public that has led them to believe that the science that the CDC is acting on is clear and that no reasonable person could come to a different conclusion. What they're really doing is conflating data and analysis, and they've been doing this all along. They can look at the fatality rate for children, for example, which from COVID is almost zero. It's about half this year in the last 12 months. The, the fatality from COVID for children, I think under the under the age of, of 12 or maybe under the age of 18 
is half what the flu was in 2019 during that season. And we're talking about a couple of hundred people total, right, in a nation of over 330 million. And so what we have here is a group of bureaucrats sitting around saying, oh, no, no, that's too many. Hashtag the science. But a lot of us say, well, hold on a second. That's society's been willing to pay a higher price to let children live their lives during flu season for as long as any of us have been alive. So why is the price too high to children now from covid? Right. You see their their rationalizations here, their reliance on referring to this as the science is all a rhetorical ploy. They're making policy judgments and their judgment sucks. That's the truth. That's what's really going on here. OK. And, you know, the, these well, this nonsense, I wouldn't call them excessive. I would say they're conservative. They're idiotic, Fauci, you little fascist. It's preposterous. You want to know how bad it is? OK, here we go. This is from my buddy Robbie Suave at Reason.com. Last week, the Centers for, Re- uh, for Reason Control, for disease, they are for anti-reason, for disease control and prevention released new guidance to help summer camps mitigate their coronavirus risk. Given that summer camps involve both children and the outdoors, two factors that render COVID-19 significantly less worrisome and will be opening in the wake of widespread vaccination one might have expected the CDC to depart from its characteristic overcaution. Nope. This is among the most restrictive, unrealistic guidance the agency has released during the pandemic. It's more limiting than the CDC's guidance for vaccinated people exercising outdoors generally. If followed, summer campers would be miserable, deprived of physical contact, and in considerable danger of overheating. The government has essentially recommended that summer camps treat kids like prisoners. He's right. I looked through the guidance. It's stupid beyond words. The people running the CDC, I'm just they're morons, friends. They're morons. They, they would shame the DMV. Never mind the CDC if they worked there. They are bureaucrats who want to keep their perks, want to keep their jobs. And so they do the lockdown libs bidding. That's their whole purpose, and they know it. Walensky knows it. Fauci over at NIAD knows it. They all know it. This isn't about what's best for the children. They couldn't give a crap about the children. How does the New York Times editorial page uh, respond to this? What does the Biden administration think of this? Again, Robbie Suave at Reason.com. Here's what he writes. Here are some of the restrictions. Everyone at the camp, including staff and every kid over the age of two, must wear masks at all times unless they are eating or swimming. And I guess that's until they come up with, you know, rubber masks to go with the goggles. They should wear two layers of masks, especially when social difficulty of uh, distancing is difficult, regardless of whether activities are indoors or outdoors, end quote. They want your child at summer camp, according to CDC. They want your eight year old who is at effectively zero risk of covid. Your if your eight year old gets covid, there is a substantially better chance that your eight year old will die from a bee sting than from covid. 
But, you know, I don't think you lock him in a bubble and refuse to let him go outdoors all summer. And they're telling you that he has to or she has to wear two masks outside in the summer heat. Double mask your kids. I mean, the CDC should be abolished. The CDC should be torn down to the studs and rebuilt. And there should there should be rigorous effort to make sure that you don't just have a bunch of slimy Democrat bureaucrats looking to have low show jobs where they get some fancy title and nice perks to go to meetings and do very little. CDC is horrendous. And this is just another example of it. The next one here. Campers should be placed in cohorts and their interaction with people outside the cohort should be limited. So there's going to be little groups that your campers are allowed to be in. And then the other campers, they're not really supposed to interact with them. Quote, there should always be at least three feet between campers of the same cohort and six feet between campers of different cohorts. Staff should keep six feet away from campers at all times, whether inside or outside. Distance should be maintained while eating, napping or riding the bus. The CDC suggests seating kids in alternating rows. I mean, this how, how much more of this can anybody listen to before you just say, I, I really oh, about wow, Buck's right. Fauci and the CDC uh, upper echelon are unrealistic morons. Who, who have no understanding of how society really functions and don't care about. I love this thing that people keep doing now. Well, why is it a big deal to wear a mask? Why is it a big deal to wear a mask? Why don't you just wear a horse, a horsehair shirt all the time to pay for your sins? Why not just be uncomfortable all the time? Why is that a big deal? Just put it on. You're not perfect. Just wear a horsehair shirt all the time. You know, it'll agitate your skin. It'll it'll you know, it'll cause rashes and things. But you need humility in your life, right? This used to be a practice that the very religious and different you know, monks and, and people did uh, in you know, the Middle Ages. Why not wear a horsehair shirt all the time? It's a great way to learn humility. Oh, okay. Why not wear a mask all the time? Same idiotic concept. Before I let you go, Dr. Fauci, you and I are uh, Major League Baseball fans. Uh, what inning are we in as far as this COVID pandemic is concerned? Well, you know, I, I, we're at least halfway through. I, I hope we're seeing, and, and I do believe, uh, uh, Wolf, I'm not trying to be overly uh, enthusiastic about what's going on vis-a-vis the vaccine program, which is so successful. But we've really got to not declare victory prematurely. So we're in the late innings. But it's not over. That's the thing we really got to get people to appreciate. We're going in the right direction. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But now's not a time to declare victory. It's a time to get more and more people vaccinated, just the way the president said today. We want to get to that goal. It's a doable goal, and I believe we'll get there. So you think the seventh, the eighth inning, or late innings, what, what inning are you talking about? Uh, how about the, the bottom of the sixth? Bottom Try of that the one, sixth. All right, we'll just, I'll go with the bottom of the sixth. That's not too bad. We're at the bottom of the sixth inning. So, you know, we got many innings left. And, you know, uh, uh, the Fouch wants you to know that baseball could theoretically go on forever. So don't forget that. Because, you know, in, in six months when, when the Fouch is telling you you still got to wear two masks, put your four-year-old in two masks and hermetically seal him, but put the four-year-old in 
one of those Ziploc bags and maybe you poke a couple of holes in because, you know, oxygen, but you put them in a Ziploc bag with two masks. And then I want you to build a plexiglass barrier around the double masked six year old in the big Ziploc, the barrier. And then, if possible, also put in the room with him one of those one of those machines that that cleans the air, you know, as if that's really going to do something. And and maybe, you know, a little bit like in the old times when there was plague in Europe, you know, there was the bubonic plague, the black death. They would set up torches around the pope in a room because they thought that would keep. So maybe some torches, too. That's all. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard for you to obey Fauci? What's the problem? Why won't you just listen to Fauci? This guy's the most damaging, reckless, worthless public health official of my lifetime. I mean, all you have to know is this guy has been elevated. He was in the the failing Trump COVID response is what they all said. Yeah, because also... Trump is responsible for COVID in Brazil, Western Europe, India, China. Right. All these places that have had terrible COVID outbreaks. It's all Trump's fault because he didn't mask enough. Because Trump said to inject bleach. Anyone who says the inject bleach thing, that's really a a litmus test for somebody being a total imbecile. Uh, Anyway, um, Fauci has been a, a, a nightmare all along. And as I was saying, with the Fouch, you know, baseball can just go on and on and on. You need a winner. There's no uh, there's no shootout. There's no automatic end. So I think that's important to keep in mind here, too. The Fouch, this guy is the worst. Oh, something I had to get to. Do you recognize that the the CDC confers with the teachers unions, with the slothful disingenuous, dishonest teachers unions who have basically all had a year of paid sitting on the couch doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they've basically had that for a year. Not enough. Not enough. They want more. They want more. A lot of them want, they want more staff, so they have to do less actual teaching themselves. Um, They want the ability to work from their couches forever. If they want, I mean, you'd think that teaching would be one of those in-person teaching kids, children, one of those important in-person learning things uh, or in-person activities, but they don't care because teachers are all unfortunately part of a system as well with the public school system that brainwashes them into the most uh, left-wing nonsense imaginable. Here's what the head of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy, Randy Weingarten. And this woman's amazing. She's amazing. She's so perfect for the role, too. It's all just, you know, we just we just really want to teach. And teachers, we're just so brave. And we just take care of the children. And we're all about the children. And actually, they're about union members being unfireable, getting pay and benefits well beyond what the free market would give them. I mean, that that's what the teachers union's actually about, but she does a great job with the propaganda. And right now, after teachers have been put, and I know it's not all teachers, so for those of you listening who are teachers who want to be back in school and want to be back in person, I know it's not your fault, but, you know, the system overall is terrible. 
uh, we have had we've had kids out of school for a year. A lot of underprivileged kids, particularly, are never going to be able to catch up. And here's Randy Weingarten wants the teachers to take a bow right now because they've done such a good job. Play three. Every day should be teacher, nurse, and public employee appreciation day or week. And frankly, it feels like I've said that every year, but especially this year. This year, you've saved us. You've kept your students engaged and fed. You've kept your patients as safe as humanly possible in a pandemic. And the services you provide from public health to public safety have kept our communities going. You are the front lines, not just of the COVID-19 pandemic, but of every crisis we face. To our educators and PRSRPs and support staff, you've turned on a dime over and over and over again. Even when you're exhausted and scared, help our students succeed from pre-K through higher ed. You've moved mountains to begin the process of rebuilding and recovering so that our schools are places where educators and staff want to work, where parents want to send their kids, and where students thrive. What world is she living in? Teachers are, are the front line? Teachers sat at home for months and months and months, even after we knew that children were safe from this and very unlikely to give it to teachers. And people say, oh, but Buck, it's so dangerous. I'm sorry. The clerks at my neighborhood grocery store never missed a day. Do, th- do their lives not count? Does their safety not count? You say, oh, well, you know, that's. You know, grocery stores, that's, uh, you know, uh, oh, uh, what, people don't need food? We're just going to have the grocery store on, on an honor system? That'll work out really well these days. You should see the Dwayne Reed on the corner where I live. Everything of any value under lock and key. It's embarrassing. Everything of value that would be easy to sell or to carry out, under, you have to go press a button, you know, aisle seven needs assistance. You can't, uh, shaving, you know, shaving implements, Chocolate That's what gets me so upset. I can't get chocolate squares uh, without having to get assistance. But yeah, sure. We're going to be on the on. I, I, I asked the clerks once. I said, what? They said people just come in here and steal all the time. They're on video and they don't care. It's not enough money for the NYPD to do anything about it. People just come in and steal all the time. <sighs> yeah, that's the society we live in now. Um, so, yeah, you need glo- grocery store clerks is the point. And they do their jobs. I've been going, I got COVID. I've been going into an office since, I don't know now, since uh, uh, September, October. All right. It's been a lot. I'm trying to remember the, you know, the way this all goes. But yeah, I've been going to the office for a long time. You know? Do I not count? Am I a hero? Buck Sexton on the front lines of doing media content. Oh my gosh, we should all. No, no, no. All right. Unless you were in a hospital, a COVID ward, a first responder dealing who has to be around routinely people with COVID. You don't get to do the whole, oh, I'm a COVID frontline hero thing. Sorry, teachers, teachers, teach, teachers. And they got a little Fauciite there. Uh, but Randy Weingarten's amazing. She is so full of crap. I mean, I've, I've seen few people. She's, a, she's amazing at her job because she's so mendacious. She lies so effortlessly 
and give such a dishonest accounting of what's really going on with the teachers union, which is just all muscle for the Democrat Party. It's just all donations for Democrat politicians and votes for them to make sure that we continue to have failing public schools without school choice, without accountability. And and then when things fall apart in some of these communities and, and across society, uh, we blame the cops. There's part of we that. The they were most sure re- we recently eligible. Uh, and there is an attitude that they'll be fine. Why should they take the vaccine? My argument is, yeah, maybe you'll be fine. And by the way, you don't know that either. We've had a lot of young people who have died. Maybe you will get a long haul syndrome that we're not really sure what it is yet, but a lingering consequence of COVID. Or maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. So uh, show some civic responsibility. Maybe your nose will turn a color like neon green. Why would it turn neon green? We don't know all of the symptoms of the long haul, you know, long haul, like when you're moving from one city to another, you say that's a long haul. But but with a long haul COVID we don't know what it could be. It could be you all of a sudden grow a second head. Why would you grow a second head? I don't know. I look at the data and I make determinations based upon what is in my immediate political interest. And by that, I mean making sure you're not thinking about me chasing ladies around and making sure that your grandma didn't actually get out of the nursing home in one piece because I'm an idiot. There you have the governor of New York from the media hailing him as the best to him being probably, probably the worst and telling everybody that uh, a lot of young people have died. That's not true. That's not true. If vaccination was the key to end this whole thing, I've said this all along. And, and I, by the way, I, I know a lot of you are far more opposed to this vaccine than I have been than I have said on the air. I want you to know that I do I read your messages. I take it I'm I'm taking all in account. I don't think I know better than any of you. I'm just reading what I can about this. I know a lot of people. I mean the Snow Princess just got, you know, her second vaccination. My whole family's been vaccinated. So I speak to you just from a place of honesty which is that my loved ones, the people that matter most to me, have, with, well, one exception, uh, all gotten vaccinated. And I'm personally planning to get vaccinated because I just, I'm willing to take the risk of the vaccine to me in order to not have to deal with the totalitarian madness of New York City. Wyoming as a state has a lot of people that don't want to get vaccines. I get it because if you're not in a dense population, if you're not in a blue state, if you know, and and you just don't think that you should do it. I've never been for mandatory COVID vaccines. As you know, it's not like I've had to change my opinion on that. I think that's a a total uh, that's a non-starter. And because a lot of you were telling me, Buck, don't get it, don't get it. I have my I will tell you, I have vaccine hesitancy because of one thing. I'm not worried about the side effects for me in five years. Am I going to, you know, have like a, you know, a lower, uh, 
you know, lower testosterone counter. I, I don't know. Right. I mean, and, and I think those of you that are saying, oh, it could affect you long, long term and you don't know. That's I mean, we don't know. No, there is no long term study on this. So that's ju- that's just a fact. I'm not being anti-vax. My issue with the vaccine for somebody like me. Um, and I, I really just want to take the moment, too, because I get a lot of vaccine thoughts from all of you all over the country. And I, I just want you all to know you are heard. I and by no means not only do I not dismiss what you're saying, um, I agree that you could be a lot of you could be right. You know, when you're talking to me about pregnant women and then should they you know, a lot of you could be right with this stuff in ways that I'm not even aware of. And I concede that, too. See, I know what I don't know. I'm not Fauci. I don't pretend to know stuff that I don't know crap about. Uh, I, I know what I don't know. And uh, I, on this one, there is certainly a judgment call to be made. My hesitancy is really a vaccine delay issue because I have yet to hear a compelling a compelling reason why me as someone who had medically proven. And I mean, I had covid 100 percent. I mean, I had all the symptoms. I had a positive test. I had the loss of taste. I mean, I, I had everything right. I mean, I had covid as clear as you can get it and i'm supposed to get a vaccine but why if you really drill down into it they think they say they do not know and they could try to fact check me on this all day they think that the vaccine gives more durable immunity than natural um than the natural immunity you get from having it they don't know They absolutely do not know. They cannot prove this. So that's part one, right? And people say, oh, no, usually vaccines are much more effective than natural immunity. I talked to uh, an infectious disease doc who I've known for for, uh, decades, and he said, that's not always true. Depends. Depends on, it also depends on your immune system, right? If you have a pretty strong immune system, if your immune response is good, not everyone has the same level of just immune function in general of course people forget this Um, but i haven't heard a compelling explanation of that i also have not heard a definitive explanation about uh, on this issue i may have a more extreme side effect reaction because of the fact that i just within last two months had covid and so what does that mean for me? I mean, I'm essentially going to be getting a vaccine that tells my body if assuming I get it. I haven't gotten it yet. For those of you who are always asking, I, I do have an appointment scheduled to get it, though, uh, in a few weeks. But I, if I get it within this time period, I already have antibodies and I'm going to take something that will that will program my immune system, so to speak. To create antibodies that I already have. Now, when you start looking at the inflammatory response that might be involved here and stuff, I, I've talked to doctors and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want people to threaten to take away their license or things. I've talked to doctors because this is about me. This is about my own health. So I really want to know who say, yeah, you know, it, you know, it because originally, just so you know, the CDC guidance was wait at least six months or three months. I forget if you've had it to get a vaccine. And the guidance is if you've had monoclonal antibody treatment, which I did not have, you definitely should wait. Well, 
why should you wait for if you had monoclonal antibody treatment, but not if your body produced antibodies naturally? What the heck is that all about? And, you know, people just get testy with you and they shout at you and they say, shut up, get it. And I say, hold on. Why don't I have answers to these questions? So I'm just I just want to take a moment to say I I have lots of questions and I absolutely respect a lot of the questions and positions that you out there listening to the show have about this. All right. So this was my moment. I just wanted to, to give a nod to all of you out there. There is a lot of stuff that remains unanswered here, even if I still believe, as I do, that older people should get this on balance and that uh, people should be able to get it themselves by choice. But what prompted me to write this column was the obvious fact that far from fading away, it's actually gained momentum and it's gone not only wider, but deeper down to the state local level of the Republican Party to the point where you can no longer be elected to office as a Republican anywhere unless you sign on to this lie. Now, that is bad enough. But when you then weaponize it by tying it to voter suppression initiatives in 40 plus states, you create the possibility that in 2022, 2024, that we could have minority rule. And when you do that, Joe, when you do that, you lay the foundations for civil war, because if Republicans, based on a big lie, are able to change all these laws and suppress the vote so a minority can actually win in this country, um, I I can tell you what will happen. Um, Democratic disenfranchised voters will not stand for that. And we will be in a real pickle. And so my bottom line is, folks, this is so much more serious a moment than you realize. We are setting the fuse to a civil war. This is not a test. Now, Thomas Friedman is a blustering, narcissistic, uh, wildly overrated writer. So just start with that. All right. He's. This guy has been wrong on important issue after important issue for as long as, as I can remember. And, you know, a lot of his stuff is trite and oversimplified, but he's he's known, you know, he's had a mustache a long time. He married a rich lady. He's at the New York Times, you know, and he goes on. He goes on Charlie Rose and the well, not anymore. Sorry, Charlie. But the uh, fancy shows out there here he is saying, and I think this is so interesting that we're we're heading towards civil war that's his his phrase because of what the democrats will do so essentially the democrats will be the ones that start the civil war in response to republican voter suppression measures that allow a minority of the country to win an election or something like that so it's the Democrats who are going to be the ones that actually take to the streets in violence. Isn't that fascinating? You have a Democrat administration now with essentially unified control of the House and the Senate. And we have to hear from this blowhard about how there may be a. Oh, that's right. You guessed it. Uh, there may be. A civil war that the Democrats are threatening. If they don't get their way here, my, my friends, this this is where we really do have to get into a level of mass psychology and start to understand what's going on here. Uh, people who are liberals, leftists who identify with these causes, whether it's BLM or the Green New Deal or whatever, they they 
have lost all sense of proportionality and rationality. They are constantly being emotionally manipulated. They are constantly being, uh, they're, they're constantly being used to advance political agendas. And they're, they're a part of it, of course, but they don't understand even really what the long-term game is here. And they're irrational. They really believe this stuff. They have internalized th this, these political narratives in a way that allows them to justify anything in their heads. I mean, here, here's what Tom Friedman there was referring to this column. And usually I don't read from his columns or mention them because I really think this guy's, he's just kind of a blustering dumbass. He really is. Uh, but he's been at the New York Times a long time. And, you know, he's the journos, the corporate journos uh, cite him as though he's a person of note and intellectual worth. Here he goes. President Biden's early success in getting Americans vaccinated, pushing out stimulus checks and generally calming the surface of American life has been a blessing for the country. Oh, look, Tom Friedman writing press pieces for Biden. But it's also lulled many Americans into thinking that Donald Trump's big lie that the election was stolen, which propelled the Capitol insurrection on January 6th, would fade away and everything would return to normal. It hasn't. We are not OK. America's democracy is still in real danger. In fact, we are closer to a political civil war more than at any other time in our modern history. Today's seeming political calm is actually resting on a false bottom that we're at the risk of crashing through at any moment. Because instead of Trump's big lie fading away, just the opposite is happening, first slowly and now quickly. Um, okay, first of all, what is a political civil war? What does that mean? In his soundbite that we played for you, he just said a civil war. But So what is, what is a, a political civil war? Just... Wondering if we can establish that right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. Because what the, what the heck is that? People mad at each other in politics. That's called politics. A political civil war. Aren't we? Aren't we in the middle of that already? What am I miss? Anyway, isn't that just kind of the natural state of American politics right now? Yeah, we're fighting over stuff all the time. Civil war means something very different. Civil war means an internal armed conflict within a country for control. So is that what he's talking about or not? I think we should establish that. But anyway, they have to keep this specter of the insurrection and the big fear of Trumpism. They have to keep that there because they're creating a circumstance where Biden cannot fail because he's not the insurrection. They're creating the circumstances for a narrative of success, even if Biden continues to be the inept buffoon that we have seen all along, because no matter what, he won't be the insurrection. He won't be an insurrectionist. And so that's good enough. Remember, in a sense, that the tactics that were used, especially the propaganda tactics of the Biden, of the uh, Obama administration are being replayed now with the Biden administration. One of the ways that they always set up the Obama administration in those early days was that, remember, we, you know, we had the economy had been driven off a cliff and Obama was going to fix it with his pen and his phone and the whole thing. But, but, you know, the Republicans drove the economy off a cliff, the worst economy since the Great Depression. That was always, so no matter what kind of 
you know, worthless, overspending, politically expedient socialist garbage the Obama administration trotted out. It, it, it didn't matter because the worst economy since the Great Depression was all we ever heard about. Well, with this Biden administration, any de- so so that 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 meant that any spending, any level of financial activism, if you will, from Obama, from the Obama administration was inherently justified because of the crisis, the crisis. Well, now any degree of politicized law enforcement, of crushing your opponents, of terrifying them that the Biden administration engages in is inherently justified because of the insurrection. January 6th is now the bloody shirt that they wave around to say, see, see, we have to monitor them online. We have to be treating Trump supporters like they're a clear and present danger to America, a threat to our very democracy itself. We have no choice but to do these things. That is what they say. That's the whole game. And that's why when you have FBI agents kicking in the door of a couple in Alaska that did nothing wrong, guns pointed at them first thing in the morning, that's that's a pretty traumatic experience to go through. You think you're waking up in your home. Your home is your castle. You think you're safe. Um, and guns just pointed at you from all over the place. And Why? Because Pelosi wants her her stormtroopers from the uh, DOJ to be running out there terrifying anyone who wore a MAGA hat on January 6th. There's there's no there's no media pushback against this at all. They think this is good. You're an insurrectionist. That's what they say to justify whatever it is they want to do. You know, in totalitarian regimes, they always have some term for the people who are the opposition that they want to suppress. They called them. Uh, deviationists in the early days when the Bolsheviks were fighting with the Social Democrats and the Mensheviks and the Russian Revolution. Anybody who was to be pushed out first of power and then pushed eventually into a prison cell for an execution shot to the back of the head was called a deviationist. If you go back into the history of the Soviet Union in the early days, you will find this to be the case. Deviation was the great sin. And then later, Once Stalin was firmly entrenched, it was counter-revolutionaries. You're a counter-revolutionary, therefore you must be sent off to the gulag. You're a counter-revolutionary, therefore you must lose all of your rights and no human decency needs be extended to you. Well, we don't have Stalin, but we do have terms used to demean like insurrectionist for anybody who opposes this government of left-wing idiots. I do commend... Lentini for her courage, for her patriotism, and uh, I wish her well. Uh, perhaps this challenge will make her stronger. I don't know. That's up to their caucus. I don't uh, welcome their participation in our caucus, and I'm sure they don't welcome my participation uh, in theirs. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Nancy, Nancy Pelosi here giving us... Uh, her her seal of approval for Liz Cheney. What what more do you have to know other than Nancy Pelosi? Liz Liz Cheney's a patriot. I mean Nancy Pelosi telling you that this Republican member of Congress should be praised for her bravery. 
If you weren't sure that she was selling out before, you're pretty damn sure now, aren't you? Doing the work of the other side. As long as this is something that goes on with conservatives, as long as this is something that continues to happen in this way, um, we're, we're just going to we're going to suffer the consequences as conservatives. We're going to lose when you have people from our side who are so desperate for the approval of the other side. And, you know, Liz Cheney really wants to take us back to the GOP of Bush Cheney, where we had what was conserved exactly. The, there was a lot of spending. There was expansion of Medicare. There were a bunch of wars we didn't need to fight. What was the big upside of that era? We had a, a weak border security. The economy fell off a cliff. What exactly are we supposed to celebrate with all that? Oh, yeah. No, it, it doesn't. Uh, a lot of corporations happy. You know, very, that was a very corporate-friendly geo. Offshoring, globalism. Very, very into that. America first? No, no, not America first. Um, GOP corporate donors first. That's that was the attitude under Bush Cheney. And I think we should all remember that. And you see now with Bush, even we're, we're in a fight right now for the future of this country with the radical left, with Marxists calling themselves Democrats. And George W. Bush weighs in on the side of the Marxists against the party that at one point he was the president, uh, the president of he's president of the whole country. But you know what I mean? He was the leader of the GOP. Not a very good one. You know, they always said Bush was really dumb and that I briefed him a couple times in the Oval Office. I mean, I was smarter than George Bush. That's not saying a lot. But even as a young guy, I just had greater facility and knew more than he did, which is a weird thing. When you're 26 or 27, you're talking to a guy, you go, okay, so I just, I'm quicker than you are. This is interesting. Uh, But he wasn't dumb. That was not true. He's not a dumb guy. He's just not a scholar. He's not an intellectual. He's not somebody who's particularly sharp, but he had pretty good political instincts. And, you know, he he had a a decent BS detector, Uh, but he wasn't a very effective Republican president. You know, yeah, we were attacked by Al Qaeda. We were on a war footing. We, I, I supported Bush then. I supported Cheney then because they were our guys against a bunch of barbarians who were trying to destroy Western civilization, trying to destroy America. But they were trying to do it through terrorism. Now we have people from inside the country trying to undermine Western civilization and try to destroy the bonds that hold us together as the American people through Marxism and critical race theory and the Green New Deal and this extreme reordering of American society along leftist principles or leftist power. And Bush takes their side. Vanity is such a powerful tool, especially among uh, people who have had a lot, especially among people who have been wealthy and, and have, have had influence in their lives perception of their peer group really matters to them because at some level, I suppose they doubt how special they really are. They have doubts about whether they should have reached these rarefied heights. And so they want the people around them. They want their peer group to think, oh, well, he's one of the good ones. This is particularly for Republicans. He's not one of those MAGA hat wearing savages. He's one of the more refined Republicans who loses gracefully, 
who bends the knee to our whims. There's another person we shouldn't listen to about the future of the GOP in the face of this radicalism. George Conway, psychotic anti-Trumper, play 13. So what happens to the Republican Party? I mean, what, what happens to, to people like yourself, to Liz Cheney, to others who are principled and have conservative principles that, that they believe in? Well, I mean, they, it's, it's basically we're headed toward essentially a, the destruction of the Republican Party as a serious as a serious party, at least as a potential majority party, I think, precisely because they, they just can't make the numbers add up. And and. You lose somebody like Liz Cheney, again, as, as, as Jamie um, points out, um, she is going to have more time on her hands to become a spokesperson for truth. And it's just an, it's just an amazingly self-destructive thing that the Republicans are doing. They're doing it for – they're being very, very short-sighted. They want to avoid primary challenges, but they're ultimately – they're ultimately, by, by, by sticking to, to the – big lie, they're ultimately sowing the seeds of their own destruction. Can we get somebody on CNN talking about the GOP who's not a psychotic never-Trumper? You know? Can we have that, maybe? No, of course. I mean, CNN is laughable, as we all know. CNN is is an absurdity. But this this is the way that they do things there. George Conway. Let's hear from Liz Cheney and George Conway about the future of the GOP. That's those are really they really got their pulse on the a finger on the pulse of the base. Sure, they do. Our friend John Cardillo in the mix with us now, formerly of the NYPD. He's a conservative commentator, TV and radio host. John, great to have you with us. Always good to be with you, Buck. Thanks. So Facebook's oversight board upholds the Trump ban. This comes right after from the desk of President Trump. This website has launched. But let's start with. That's kind of the response. Let's start with what you what do you make of this Facebook ruling? Yeah, I mean, look, they're kicking the can down the road like a few people uh, have said not to be cliche. I don't think there was ever a doubt as to whether or not Facebook was going to do this. Fortunately, some governors are waking up. My governor here in uh, Florida, Ron DeSantis, hopefully your governor one day, Buck, <laughs> if you come down. But if he just – I don't know if you saw what happened in Florida – but Florida just enacted uh, legislation that would ban – well, there's a bill out there that would ban social media sites, would fine them, could criminally prosecute them if they banned a statewide political candidate in Florida. And that I, I relate that to Trump because I think Facebook's move here is pretty clear. Well, they can, they can you know, say all the nonsense they want, but this is clearly another instance of Facebook trying to control the debate and influence the 2022 midterms. It's just remarkable. It's it's remarkable that this company, which is really one of the most valuable companies in the world right now. I mean, you look at its its earnings, its reach, its ability to influence the conversation, not just in America, but in places all over the world, that we're living in a reality where they've banned a former president from a, a former president of the United States is anathema now, is ostracized digitally. I mean, I just think. It's almost like this hasn't really soaked into people's minds yet how extreme this is. Yeah, and I think people, everybody knows why they're doing it. Look, I think Facebook's credibility would be better served if they came right out and said, we don't, we don't agree with Trump ideologically. We don't agree with conservatives. We're going to ban them from the platform. And then 
be honest about it. Let the states do what they do. Because because I have zero confidence that establishment Republicans will do anything. Democrats, we know, won't do anything because Silicon Valley is on their side. But uh, at least be honest about why you're doing it. They didn't kick this can down the road and ban Trump for six more months for any reason other than he's still a voice. He's a voice. I, I was actually at Trump International uh, in West Palm Beach on Sunday. I saw the former president when he came off the golf course. The establishment still shows up. He came off the golf course with Lindsey Graham. So the establishment is still showing up because they know they need Trump more than Trump needs them. And Facebook knows that as well. So they're going to do all they can to silence the guy. John, I wonder how this is going to go now with Trump building. We hear all this stuff about Trump building his own platform, which would be great. You know, Parler is back up and running. It feels, though, like it, it's still like the, the eye of Sauron for the uh, Lord of the Rings fans is still on Parler. So you can't really get a you know, get, have a, a true free speech platform yet. But I, I got to check in with those guys. They don't have the same CEO anymore. Uh, I'm not entirely you know sure how well that's working out at this stage. What can you tell us about whether if you know anything from the inside or just your perception of, of Trump building a platform for Trump supporters. You know what I mean? Because because right now the, the live or, you know, the, the from the president's desk thing they're doing, it's a communique. It's it's helpful, but it's not it's not Twitter. It's not Facebook. No, no. Right. I mean, it's, it's more of a website. It, I mean, I, look, I, I don't say this in a demeaning way. It's more like a blog, really. I mean, it's putting out his statements in one condensed format so you don't have to go hunt around for them on Twitter through his various people that are pushing his content to Jason Miller's and all right now that Trump's been bad. So it's a centralized destination where you can pick up those statements that his office is putting out, but it doesn't really have a social interaction component. You know, as for Parler, I think I hate to say it. I think Parler's probably done for the simple reason that they've been deplatformed from the app stores for Apple and Android. And I don't see them being allowed back on again, another liberal Silicon Valley company, a leftist company, Apple, they don't have to let Parler back on. So while the site's back, it's really a web destination. And we all know that it, it, apps are apps. And, and without them on a mobile device, few people are going to type a URL into their phone. They want to go on the app, send a quick tweet, put something up quickly on Instagram, Facebook, and in the past Parler. Unless they get back on the app stores, I don't think they have too bright of a future. But um, as far as the social media platform, they keep talking about it. I have to tell you, I was a little disappointed when I saw this, what, what Trump launched, because with his resources, money, and the team of people he could put around him, this is pretty rudimentary. I thought it would have been something a bit more robust. I'm surprised, too. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, because, you know, one thing that we have to be comfortable with on the right is being honest. You know, I keep telling yeah. people this because whenever I talk about, you know, honest about Trump specifically and things going on in Trump world, because I, I try to say, I criticize Trump the way a coach criticizes his team at halftime. Exactly. Right. I, I yep. want him to win the game. I, I'm, I'm trying to. And I want and I actually, as you do, too, John. And not only is, am I speaking to Trump supporters, I mean, I speak to some of the people around him that try to influence him. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm coming from on this. And, and I know that people are so used to the, you know, the rest of media trashing him all the time, being unfair to him. The Russia collusion lies that there is a. Uh, an almost um, reflexive defensiveness from tr from some Trump supporters, but all things Trump. And I'm like, look, guys, as you point out, John, he's got the resources, the people, the talent to create 
an unsinkable aircraft carrier of free speech as a platform, as an, you know, whatever it may be, we got to do this. You know, it has to happen because otherwise people keep saying he's going to run in 2024 and he's going to win with the landscape the way it is right now with Trump banned from Twitter, banned from Facebook. What do people think they're going to let the Trump campaign run ads and all? Are you kidding me? Exactly. I mean, he's he's dead. in the, he's I mean, his campaign is, is dead in the water. No way. Yeah. In terms of social. But, but he, you just touched on the biggest problem. So, you know, I, I was a big Trump supporter, still am, and I, I, I like Trump's style. I, his tweets made me laugh. I loved, absolutely loved what Donald Trump did to shake up the establishment. He educated Americans to just how corrupt D.C. is. I mean, it, it, there's a swamp under a swamp under a swamp. You know this. You worked in the I.C., you worked in D.C. But what I've been very critical uh, of Trump on is his, or what have been his personnel decisions. Now, I supported Trump 99.9% of the time. But the minute you critique something he does, it could be keeping Reince Priebus as chief of staff for too long or allowing you know, John Smith or David Jones, hypothetical names, remaining in positions when they're clearly never Trumpers. The, the, the hardcore MAGA supporters don't think critically. They'll come out and they've attacked me up. You're a big never Trumper. Hey, Cardillo, you've turned into Joe Walsh. You're a closet Democrat. Yeah, I'm a closet Democrat. But they they don't realize you nailed it, Buck. When you support someone, it's incumbent upon you to guide them when they're going down the wrong path. And if you don't honestly critique the people you support, the analogy of a coach is outstanding. They can't win, right? A coach isn't going to tell a player with a lot of talent who's playing poorly Oh, you're great. You've got all the talent in the world. You're oh, you keep losing. You know, you could throw the ball 90 miles an hour. You're throwing it 40 miles an hour because you're lazy, but you're outstanding. No, they're going to scream at them in the locker room, tell them to get it together, and teach them how to win. Too many on our side won't do that when it comes to Trump. There's there's this uh, unfortunate cult-like mentality among many of them where they won't critique. They follow things like the QAnon phenomenon that a lot of us knew was just like a live-action role play refused to critique and i think it it, it was a, a, a large reason that trump had the personnel problems he had not enough of his base was making noise the biggest weakness of the trump presidency that was self-inflicted was personnel you know i've talked Absolutely. about this and 100 and i tried i talked to you know i you know jared and ivanko that was not okay and people mm-hmm. were i got so much hate mail from Trump's from fellow Trump supporters. And I, I know Jared and Ivanka. I don't dislike them as people. I just don't think that you should have your kids as your top advisors deciding who gets meetings with you when you're the president of the United States, especially when they're both Democrats, which they are, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. Um, But (laughs) but just, you know, hold on. You know, we're speaking to John Cardillo, uh, former NYPD conservative commentator. John, how many years in uh, NYPD were you, by the way? I meant to over a decade and then i had started a business i i, I loved it i loved it uh but i had started a business that was related and we uh i just my schedule was too insane i couldn't both do the job and run the company and by that point i had investor money into the company i had a fiduciary responsibility to them so i was able to vest yeah. out so so i i wanted I, that, yeah. I asked john because you know you've seen i you and i talk about the, the national security and law enforcement bureaucracy in a, a fair amount and I just got to say, I was in the IC for for six years, um, yeah. and ba- basically that whole time with with the Central Intelligence Agency, I, I spent a, a, a year at the NYPD, but I was still a CIA officer at the time. It's a whole other a whole other thing. Um, here's the thing, John: 
This video that came out of the CIA, it's a CIA recruitment video where this woman says, I'm a I'm a cisgender millennial with generalized anxiety disorder who used Mm -hmm. to suffer from imposter syndrome. I I mean, I was waiting for her to like, you know, uh, like pull some kind of disguise out at the end and be like, just kidding. I'm actually like, you know, Yuri, (laughs) Yuri Romanov and like, dun, 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 like the CIA. It was it was so cringe inducing and i just want to say to everybody i've been getting all these different people i know in the agency who are saying this is so embarrassing for us and we're already hemorrhaging the people you want to keep in the ic this is just going to hurt even more oh it's terrible first of all i don't even know what imposter syndrome is I'm, i'm still lost on that one and it's nice to know you know matt walsh who who turns out some really good work made a good point he said anxiety is a normal human emotion like people get anxious you know you're on a plane it starts to hit turbulence hey you get a little anxious right it, why are we turning it into a mental disorder and so, and, and the other thing was tucker said it and i thought it was as brilliant the, in that same video they're basically saying well this woman doesn't check any boxes which she's literally checking boxes about her identity the entire thing was you nailed it cringeworthy but, but even worse buck our enemies are laughing at us you know the pakistani isi they're not an out intelligence service, no matter how much we like to say they are. They're adversaries. The, the, the FSB, you know, all of these, the IRGC, they're watching this, laughing in our faces. That, that's the ad. Could you imagine the IRGC, the American Revolutionary Guard Corps? They, they run more like the Nazi SS than, than an intelligence service, the IRGC. Could you imagine them jumping a video like that? I mean, we're, we're being laughed at by the world's worst bad guys with video. It's terrible and it's just for everyone to see there's wokeness infiltration from the highest level on down in the military all my current and former military friends and colleagues tell me that and i always say you think it's bad there go over to the state department i mean they're experts in critical race theory (laughs) you know know, if you look at some of these federal federal bureaucracies are are totally out out, out of control Uh, real quick john before we let you go Chauvin juror comes out and says he lied in jury selection because he wanted to be on the jury. Turns out he was at a BLM protest before all this. Mm -hmm. Do you think Chauvin's going to get a new trial? Yeah, he should. I mean, they're calling the guy juror 52. He's also got a name. He he lied on the questionnaire and his backpedal is even worse. Well, they asked me if I was at a George Floyd specific protest. Oh, come on now. Come on. You were at a BLM protest where everybody was holding signs with George Floyd's name on them. You were at a George Floyd protest. So I don't see how Chauvin isn't entered a new trial when the jury pool was that tainted and the juror lied. I, I just if, if Chauvin's not granted a new trial and the court that ultimately hear this doesn't grant him one, then justice is absolutely dead in this nation. And Buck, I'd say this for anybody. If it was a BLM protester and and someone that hated BLM lied to get on the jury, I'd also want them to get a new trial because if our justice system is going to operate that way, we're all in a lot of trouble. John Cardillo, everybody. Follow him on social media if you're not already, at John Cardillo. John, I'll see you down in Miami soon, buddy. You got it, my friend. Looking forward to it. Did you get the sense that he felt like we didn't need to keep working on the vaccine because we have the solution right here? No, no. I, I mean, to, to give credit to the former administration, you know, they put together Operation Warp Speed, which was really important in getting things rolling. Right now, we're in the implementation stage, which is going really, really very successfully in vaccine. You know, even the Fauci is willing to say, hey, look, we can't totally trash everything 
about Trump. We we can't actually do that uh, because what he did with warp speed was pretty good. Actually, it was pretty decent. Yeah, you don't say. The amount of BS that is constantly peddled. I mean, Biden taking all this credit. We're talking about the vac. Okay, vaccines in distribution is you know yeah it's it's a major effort, but. Getting the vaccine, having a vaccine is the most important step in the whole process. Without that, you got nothing. And I would just tell you, I think that that the way this was rolled out in some places like New York. And again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make this New York centric, but it's just that's where I am. Right. Every state has a different version of this. Uh, In Florida, they got it to Publix, which then, of course, they attacked Ron DeSantis for. But that meant you just went to the place you go to get groceries and stuff anyway, and you got your shot. In New York, it was go to some health center in the middle of God knows where and stand in line for hours and hours while the New York City health bureaucracy, who could care less about how quickly they're getting this done, you know, calls you out. Number two, three, two, seven, number four, three, seven, five. You know, it's like being at the DMV, except your life is at stake. Right. I mean, except there's there's a health issue here. So, you know, I think it could have been done a lot better than it was. I think it should have been in, you know, we should have had the vaccines at every CVS and Walgreens across America. But the Democrats wanted to control this. This was an issue of fairness, you see, an issue of fairness. Ah, okay. Yeah, they wanted to make sure that underserved communities would have access to the vaccine. I mean, just they got they got a CVS or a Dwayne Reed or a Walgreens, you know, or a uh, Kmart or a Costco, they, they, you know, this this is where human beings get their stuff, wherever they are in America. You, you could put that. But nope, they wanted government control of it, as you know. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. This guy's scary. He's uh, he's asked about why does Biden still walk around outside without a mask on? Play 11. Well, I say that he is. I mean, I think most of the time you see him outside, he's not wearing a mask. People catch him sometimes pictures getting in or out of a car. He hasn't yet had a chance to take his mask off or he's going into a building. So he you know, puts it on for convenience. The president uh, wears doesn't wear his mask when he's outside. Generally, uh, I'm here tonight unmasked outside. Uh, so uh, I think we're all adjusting to this new CDC guidance. Uh, it's great guidance, right? I mean, everyone should feel better that we have made so much progress in 100 days that deaths are down 80 percent, cases are down dramatically in 40 of the 50 states. Uh, We're making a lot of progress. Being able to be unmasked outside is the result of that progress and something we should all enjoy. We should have never been masked outside. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not going to take this as some kind of big concession from the lockdowners. Masks outdoors never were necessary. Never. As a general policy, for people jogging, going biking, being outside in the air. But it was about control, bend the knee, do what they say. And now it's so habitual for the virtue signaling libs. That's why Biden's walking around old man. Well, he probably forgets too. you know, he should get one of those things you have when you forget your glasses. So they put the rope behind them. He should get that for his mask. The show ain't over yet, folks. It's time for Roll Call. Producer Mark, what is up, my man? What is the latest and greatest? Tell me all the things. How are you doing? How's the move packing going along? It's going as well as it can, Buck. 
That's what I like to hear. You got your shots, right? I got, uh, yes, my one shot. I got the Johnson & Johnson. Uh, When's your next one? There is no second for the Johnson & Johnson. I thought the Johnson & Johnson was a twofer. No, the Johnson & Johnson's one shot and you're done. That's one of the reasons I got it, honestly. Oh, I guess actually that would be, if it's one and done, that would be two and one. But anyway, um, yeah, that that makes sense then. Okay, and and did, did you have any... Like sore arm or anything? Any problems? Sore arm was it. I was sore for a few days, but other than that, I felt completely fine. Well, look at that. You learn something new every day. I'm supposed to go in for the Pfizer, which feels like it's the big gun. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm on the list for the Pfizer. I don't know. Have, have you had friends that have had a bad, uh, have had a bad, you know, side effect situation? Yeah, I've had a kind of a mix of everything. Like uh, the friends that I have that who have had COVID already had fairly bad reactions to the shot but then they were fine after like you know overnight or 12 hours or so and then other friends who haven't had it or even have had it have had no reaction so i feel like it affects everyone differently but a lot of people are saying they'd rather have you know a day of covid symptoms than you know actually getting covid i guess fair enough fair enough well let's uh let's get right to it shall we we have jeremiah Writing in, uh, Buck, love the show. I especially love your daily monologue. Reminds me so much of Rush. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. That's very high praise. Anyway, for years, the left threw follow the science at us regarding climate change. And while a lot of people did go along with it, the majority did not. Then came the pandemic. Now, I don't believe COVID was a hoax, nor do I believe it was intentionally released for some nefarious reset. But I believe it was definitely used and exaggerated by the left to move their agenda. Now they keep repeating their follow the science mantra like a broken record regarding COVID lockdowns and masks. So much so that the majority is listening and soon the left will switch from follow COVID science to follow climate science. And I believe most people will finally go along with all of their garbage. I already see it with this infrastructure bill. We must fight this. We need to take back follow the science for actual science reality And the only way we're going to achieve this is for the right to start behaving like the left and cooperate as one. Stop competing with each other. The left succeeds because they work together as one. Jeremiah, first of all, thank you so much for your support and and for your uh, detailed note here. I would just say that there is a uh, there is a clear advantage that the left has when it comes to collective action. Their mindset, their their sense of who they are, they just, they like to do things as the group. And that is very powerful in a society. You know, we think of the individual first in all things. We think of what can I do to make my community, to make my family, to make life around me better. Leftists think of how can the community, how can all of us be mobilized toward this thing? And that is, that is a clear advantage. You know, do we even have, think about this, do we even use the term community organizer on the right? No. Now we kind of, we really use it as a term of disparity. Remember, Obama was a community organizer. That was really his career and until he was a politician, then president. And a lot of us, look, let's be honest, kind of mocked that whole, oh yeah, community organizer. Well, there's a lot of Marxist garbage that, are, that community organizers engage in, but it is effective. I mean, when you read Rules for Radicals, when you learn about Saul Alinsky, and remember, Hillary Clinton wrote that guy a letter. She was so impressed with him, such a devotee of Alinskyite political organizing. 
The guy, it, it works. It works. If you think of Alinsky as a left wing Machiavelli for 20th century politics, which is really what he is, you uh, you see how powerful it is. And if you think if you uh, you know, I like to cite Machiavelli. Machiavelli was really the prince is written as a handbook for rulers, for amoral rulers in Renaissance era Italy to be successful in what they're doing. I mean, this guy, that was, he was a condottiere. He was uh, an advisor, a military advisor. Condottiere was essentially a mercenary, um, but a, a mercenary leader, right? So you think of a mercenary usually as someone you hire to be in your army and fight among the many, but a condottiere was like a mercenary general. That's, that's a good way to think of it. Uh, you know, so a high level guy, they'll be in charge that you hire for you to, to run this. And, it was the the whole idea of the prince is that it's applicable for somebody in power. Now they've got, you know, Machiavelli for the corporate boardroom and Machiavelli for this, you know, for the sports field, whatever. Right. It's become a like a franchise throughout the centuries unto itself. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where it is. Uh, where was I on this producer, Mark? I just lost my train of thought. I, I ended up in Renaissance era Italy and then I don't even yeah, remember. I never really know how you get these places. Yeah, I know. It's we, we, we go on some wild, wild rides off the beaten path of the Buck Sexton show. That's for sure. Oh, Jeremiah, collective action and uh, and the uh, what's it? Uh, Rules for radicals, Saul Linsky. So, uh, yeah, Jeremiah, there you go. Um, and thank you for loving the monologue. I appreciate that a lot. And as for covid science. Uh, yes, we do need to f- take back what actual science is. And we well, look, we need conservative scientists who will get out there and make the case not for conservatism, but that will break with the consensus of remember leftists want their politics in everything. It's not that there aren't scientists who are conservative in their outlook for politics and for life. It's that they just do science, whereas leftist scientists are doing left wing science. Right. They they infuse their beliefs into all that they do. That's just their approach. You know, I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, we have different religious beliefs, for example. There are some religions where your spiritual life is is kept largely separate from your religious I mean, from your uh, your secular life, from, you know, the political authorities. There are other I mean, Islam comes to mind. There are other belief systems where no. The religious system and the government system must be as one. They must be the same. So that's just a way of when I mean they're infusing it in. We we take a more, you know, separation of church and state approach. Now, that's brings up a lot of stuff. But just in general, we take a more, you know, you you have government doing one thing and you have religious life in in another sphere. Um, Not that there isn't crossover. But the left's approach to this is kind of like Islamism or political Islam, where you have imams making decisions about where the roads are being built and what the tax rate's supposed to be. Right. That's how the left views everything. That's why they infuse their ideology into sports. That's why they infuse their ideology into all entertainment. It's just they they it's central to who they are. All right. Julie writes Footloose is a classic timeless tale of fighting against the man for the love of dancing just watch it not the remake though anyway the gop needs to make ads listing and showing everything that biden has done and ask is this what you wanted 
then throw up a pick of Harris and ask, is this who you want next? The right needs to get down and dirty. If Trump taught us anything, it is not be it is to not be scared. Love your show. Makes my day to hear your analysis and opinions on the state of the country. Thank you. Well, Julie, that's very kind. Thank you so much. I'm, if I can uh, be a, a source of information and, and, and enjoyment for you every day, I mean, I'm, I'm doing my job. So I feel really good about that. I appreciate that. And uh, as for Footloose, producer Mark on, on the movie, on the producer Mark's penalty box movie scale. Uh, what out of 10, what do we give Footloose? I mean, it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but uh, I guess an eight. Okay. Yeah, it's a so solid like a cl- movie. A clearly solid good movie. Yeah, it's not like a movie that I love so much I'm going to see it a million times, but it's it's certainly right. in terms of just a film, it's a good movie. Right. So it's not like Uncut Gems, which could charitably be given uh, a negative four. Stop it. Okay, I'm just making stop. sure. That's a good movie. Negative four if I felt like being nice. Uh, all right. David, hey, Buck, I literally just set up a customer's phone to get the podcast today. He's older, but a great guy that subscribes to everything you talk about on the show. Hopefully you'll spread the word too. take care, man. Well, David, that's great. I would love I love it. Folks out there, if you're listening, you know, on your station, always remember you can listen on the iHeart app, which is free to your phone anytime, anywhere. If you if you have the podcast, the Apple podcast app, you can always listen to the Buck Sexton show. And it's it's just on your phone. It's so easy. Play it. You'll hear me. The sound quality is good. So you you can listen to the show every day, whether you're in your car, have your radio handy or not. And and it's uh, once you get in that habit, I got to tell you, it's really nice. Very convenient. And please subscribe to my podcast. You can keep pressing play to listen. But if you subscribe, it downloads every day. It's there for you. It's ready to go. Subscribe to the Buck Sexton podcast on Apple Podcasts, on uh, iHeart app. Podbean, Spotify, any of these places you can listen. All right. David. Oh, no, that was David. Francis. Hey, Baca producer Mark. Love the show. Well, Francis, you are a person of great taste. Could the $80 billion requested for the IRS be able to do more to be able to do more audits have anything to do with employers trying to find employees to come back to work? Perhaps the writing on the walls that employers entertain paying their employees under the table so those employees can still claim unemployment. Yes, it's an illegal mess, but desperate times. And I have a challenge for you. Complete one show without discussing masks at all. I'm in your court and I feel your pain, but I'm curious if you can do it. Thanks, guys. So, Francis, uh, first off on the on the mask thing. I mean, uh, look, I, I get it. I, I, I wish we could stop talking about it entirely. Um I think it's important because I think that it's the symbol from which all the other mentality and lockdowns flows. We are not done with this until we're done with masks. Uh, And I mean lockdowns. I mean the tyranny. I mean the government control, all of it. So while I can appreciate that as a topic, it's something that we spend a lot of time on here. I, 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 I cannot complete your challenge. I will not complete your challenge uh, until it's done until we're out of this. It's not a minor thing. It's not a forgettable thing. It's not, uh, you know, we have to keep hammering this, hammering this truth until enough people understand it as the truth and we finally get past this. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from, man, I, and I can appreciate it, but yeah, that's where I am on that. And as for the IRS thing and under the table paying dues, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see that. I don't really see that as being... The, 
I think the Democrats just want to tax us more, want to take more money and, you know, want to make our lives more difficult. So uh, that's that's what I see happening here. That's my they they just want a bigger, stronger, scarier IRS. And I think they're going to just like they did under Obama. Remember, they went after the Tea Party and they went after anybody with Patriot in their name of their group. And remember that Lois Lerner? I haven't forgotten Uh, the IRS is going to shockingly, I'm sure the IRS is going to uh, actually come after people who are uh, as, a, as a function of their politics. I think that's going to happen. All right. Continuing with roll call. And remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. If you want to email us, Facebook, go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Send a message. Producer Mark will sift through them. He will not only pick the ones that say Producer Mark is a handsome genius who is the uh, the man the, the man that makes it all happen. You know, he will not only pick those ones. So don't think you're going to just skip to the front of the line with those. Uh, but he does read them first. All right. Uh, we have where do we go here? Michelle Buck, I heard you briefly on last night's May 3rd show in on Denver's uh, Freedom Freedom FM. I could not agree with you more on what happened with Trump after the election. He cooked his own goose. He didn't show strong leadership, period. Glad to know I'm not alone in my thinking. Loved what he did for the country during his time, but not afterwards. And with the stroke of a pen, it was all erased. Parties, Biden can do that like Trump did to Obama's stuff. I'd love to see Nikki Haley, Pompeo, DeSantis and Leo Terrell in no particular order. But to handle the four critical positions, president, vice president, secretary of state, secretary of commerce and doing the negotiations. If Trump can help in the background, great. But the four I have mentioned would make a strong team. Haley, Pompeo, DeSantis, Terrell. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm I will tell you, I have not um, I have not been impressed yet with Nikki Haley. I'm just going to say that I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't, you know, nothing. There's just been what, what what's supposed to impress me about Nikki Haley. Uh, so that's it. And then Leo Terrell. I don't even know he was running. Is he producer Mark? Is he running for something? I'm not oh. sure. I can check. Um, I, I'd, ha- I'd have to check. I, I didn't know Leo. I mean, Le- Leo Terrell. He goes on. Yeah, he's an attorney who goes on Hannity's show a lot. I didn't know he was planning on running for anything. Well, maybe you just like him a lot on Hannity's show. That's cool. I'm just saying I, I, that's an interesting name to throw in the mix there. You all know my problem with DeSantis is I have to keep that skepticism I have about all politicians. And he's just he keeps doing things I like and he keeps showing results and he keeps holding the line. And, you know, I'm just wait, I'm waiting for him to disappoint me. That's what I and I got to keep that in the back of my mind because you always you've always got to have that part of your brain that's saying I might get really disappointed by this politician. That's just a better, safer place for for you to be, uh, you know, mentally. So and then oh, and Pompeo. Yeah, I like Pompeo. Whenever I've interviewed him, he's been a good guy. He's very smart. He's uh, he takes no no guff. So that's a word you don't hear enough. Guff. You know, Biden's ruined malarkey. So I got to I got to find other old timey words like uh, guff and cockamamie. And uh, Bruce and Mark, do you have a favorite old timey old old timer kind of word? Nothing I can say on the radio. Ah, 
Yeah, fair enough. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed this fabulous edition of the Buck Sexton Show. Like I said, pass the buck. If all you got one new person, all of you listening to me asking this right now, one new person, just try the Buck Sexton Show this week. Uh, it'd be huge. It'd be huge, huge, probably the hugest of all time. So you can share it with a text or an email. Share the podcast. And it's so easy to do. Until tomorrow, friends. Shields high.